Hello there. How's your fine day going? My day was fine until I decided that I should do this podcast. I'm just kidding. I love doing this podcast for you people. All two of you. I don't know. That's what the stats tell me is that I'm down to like two listeners, at least on like Spotify. The YouTube version, um, it varies. It can vary from like two people to a thousand. Okay, I've only got like four <laughs> episodes of the podcast that hit a thousand, including Baby's Day Out, which is like over 20,000, because, I don't know, a lot of people want to know what happens in Baby's Day Out, but don't want to watch it. And as I think about it, it's kind of weird that anyone would listen to this podcast to avoid knowing what happened having to watch a film when you could just go to the Wikipedia page and look it up yourself. But no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Keep listening to this podcast, all two of you. Um, so this week, I am doing Carlito's Angels, which I think uh, literally is just going to be a Spanish version of Charlie's Angels. Uh, from the description, that's what it seems like. It's uh, a trio of sexy, no-nonsense Latinas jump into action fighting crime in the hood whenever they get the word from their mysterious boss, Carlito. And, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen, like, any sort of Charlie's Angels. You know, come to think of it, I think I only saw the first uh, Cameron Diaz Charlie's Angels movie, which was, like, fun. I will admit it was kind of a fun film. I don't think I ever watched the original show. I didn't watch the remake show. I didn't watch, like, the remake movie. I didn't even watch the sequel of the first Cameron Diaz movie. But the first Cameron Diaz movie was fun. And I'm going to ruin all that I hold sacred of this one iteration of Charlie's Angels with Carlito's Angels. How awesome would it be if the Carlito and Carlito's Angel is professional wrestler Carlito, a.k.a. Carlito Caribbean Cool? Yeah, I remember back when he was CCC. Uh, they dropped that and just made him Carlito because WWE has this thing that you can only have one name. Even though Carlito Caribbean Cool was awesome. Except, unless you're Seth Rollins, which then they add freaking to your name. Seth freaking Rollins. Of all the people who are going to get three names, that's the one you go for. But Carlito, he would spit in the face of people who are who are not cool or who don't want to be cool or something. Just uncool people. So I think it would be awesome if he turned out to be Carlito. I don't know if in the movies or the show we ever found out who Charlie is. Um, but yeah, that was... The movies and the show were basically an excuse for uh, Jiggle Vision. And I'm guessing this version is the same. Except they're all gonna be Latinas. Do I say Latinas or Latina women? Uh, so hard to know language. Okay, enough rambling. I The girls in the picture, they're... They're okay looking. I know, it's so, like, you know, shallow of me to kind of judge them already, like, on 
the look like oh they're not super hot and it's like you gotta keep in mind and my mind they're gonna be competing against Cameron Diaz Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu who are just like uber hot and for some people they'll be competing with like Farrah Fawcett and the other two or they'll be competing I don't know who started in any of the other ones but uh okay enough of this rambling I'm gonna start watching this movie unfortunately so we start off with a stereotypical Latino woman coming in she's coming home and then she finds that her boyfriend or husband or whoever is fucking some other girl and she's mad because she pays the bills um so she grabs a frying pan and chases the woman off and I think the woman is one of the Carlitos angels and the boyfriend he's like strapped up to the bed because maybe that's the thing she just wasn't kinky enough for him and you know Carlitos angels they're willing to get kinky and so now we get the intro which is like a shot of like a bunch of like comic book pictures that I think is telling us the origin story of Carlitos Angels while a rap song tells us what Carlitos Angels is all about and basically if you don't know the Charlie's Angel thing it's like the mysterious guy like calls his women and gives them the job they're supposed to do and as far as I can tell from this comic book intro they the job is to smoke a lot of pot and drink a lot and fuck guys while the women in the ghetto are very mad that the Carlitos Angels are fucking their men. So now that you're up to speed, let's uh, find out what the first mission is, right? So we get the introduction to Carlitos Angels. Uh, first, we see them having fun by all three of them riding a bike. Not like a tandem bike or anything. The one is pedaling, the one is riding the handlebars, like, you know, good old-fashioned uh, ghetto kids. I think also kids outside of the ghetto do that. And then uh, one of them is on the back wheel standing, which I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think I've seen that done. I've seen the handlebars. Uh, I could ride my bike with no handlebars, no handlebars. You know, I said handlebars in that song just popped into my head and it's stuck in my head and I can't think of what happens in this film because I am stuck with all that so we've got the narration from Carlito who's introducing us to the angels that he saved from their awful awful lives and I got the names for the introduction and I will probably forget them throughout the film so bear with me but we've got Tina who's got the attitude problem and keeps getting fired from jobs because she's got the attitude problem there's Marisol, who just loves the reefer, smoking pot all the time. And Carlito, you know, he's like, yeah, it's okay once in a while, but you gotta get down with this, cut down the addiction. No one gets addicted to marijuana. What are you talking about, Carlito? But, yeah, Marisol loves the reefer. And then there's Roxy, who, according to Carlito, can't keep her legs closed because she has lots of children. She has three children. One, two, three. Maybe there's more at home. Because she's at like the unemployment office. And okay, maybe if you're unemployed, three children does seem like a lot. But it's not really that many. Not to the point of that you start slut-shaming someone. 
And, you know, maybe she's Catholic. Fucking Catholics love to have, like, 15 children. But she only has three. Three... I mean, yeah, if you don't have a job, it is a struggle. But it's not ridiculous. Stop slut-shaming fucking Carlito. But Carlito is getting them away from their lives to be their his uh, agents of something. So if he's taking them away from that life, does that mean he's taking Roxy away from her children? Um, that's kind of fucked up, Carlito. Uh, kids need their mom, and you're just sending her off on dangerous missions. But anyways, Carlito doesn't have much of an accent until he gets to his catchphrase of, I'm Carlito, and these are my angels. For some reason, like, he just ramps up his accent <laughs> at that point. Um, I guess you just gotta put the emphasis. Now this lady, I don't know her name, maybe we'll learn her name later, she's going into her apartment, and she opens the door, and she sees something that scares her. She screams, and she drops her groceries. What could she have seen? I'm guessing dead body. Dead body! Dead body! So, but we don't know yet, because they cut to Carlito's Angels, hanging out in, apparently, Roxy's room, because we learn it's Roxy's apartment. Because she... Well, anyways, I'll get to that. But if it's her apartment, where are her kids? So Carlito took her away from her kids! Or maybe Child Protective Services took her kids away from her. I'm... I'm not gonna go either way. I don't know. But they're hanging out, just listening to loud music and smoking pot, because that's what Carlito's angels do when they're in their downtime. And the neighbors, they're all, you know, turn down that racket. And underneath, there's a guy who I think only has one arm. They don't show him very quick. Um, they show him very quick. I mean, and he's got his broom that he starts knocking on the bottom of the wall. Oh, man, I am just... I'm like O for O here, aren't I? Um, he's knocking on the ceiling with his broom because the music's too loud and some old lady is knocking on the door because the music's too loud and they can't hear that uh, if you don't know about Charlie's Angels there's like an intermediary guy um, Bosley I think his name is Bosley Tom Bosley uh, he was played by Bill Murray in the first movie and Bernie Mac in the second movie and I don't know who in any of the other adaptations but he pretty much has to get the message from Carlito to the angels. And so he's saying, like, hey, hurry up. We got a message from Carlito. But the girls are like, well, we can't go out looking like this because we look like sluts. Oh, that is so wrong of me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to say they look like sluts. They look like sluts. <laughs> they just look very slutty. Now, again, I apologize they just have very, like, short clothes that are very, very... No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. But so they change using, like, the fast-paced, uh, you know, like Clockwork Orange when they... When uh, Roddy McDowell is fucking... Was it Rod No, it was Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell is fucking the girls, and it's, like, super speed. That That's what we get for them changing into their clothes. So if it's going in super speed, we're going to assume that it's taking them a long time to get dressed. Which, Carlito has a message for you. Stop dilly-dallying and get down there. 
But as they're leaving the apartment, ooh, out jumps the fat landlord. And he's complaining because they haven't made rent yet. And this is where Roxy says, I'll pay you the rent when I get a job. So if she's paying the rent, that's why I'm assuming this is Roxy's apartment. And if it's Roxy's apartment, where are the kids? Where are the kids? But Fat Landlord's upset because, you know, he thinks Roxy's never going to get a job. Roxy, can you ask Carlito for a loan to, you know, help pay the rent? But the Fat Landlord says, you know, if they don't pay the rent, he's going to fuck them. Which is an offer. I wouldn't say is the best offer and might slightly be illegal. But the offer's on the table, Roxy. If you're not going to pay him, I don't know, maybe you can get away with giving him a handy. So, none of the angels wear bras, which I am thankful for because we keep uh, the jiggle vision going. Oh, yeah. I, I think that might have been my weirdest, one of my weirdest ah, yeahs so far. So they go to the bodega, because Carlito, he calls Collect there to talk to the angels. So how long has he been, like, on hold, just racking up the minutes? Uh, the bodega owner, not Benson. Wait, did I say Benson? Bosley! I, I, you know, I don't even know if Bosley was the Charlie's Angels guy. But anyways, he's not the intermediary, I guess. Uh, he's just the guy who owns the bodega, and has to deal with Carlito calling Collect to their phone. And... I'm guessing Carlito's in prison because he later mentioned something about can the girls give him put some money in his commissary, which come on, girls aren't even being able to pay rent. They're not going to be able to pay you, but he's got a job for them. But before the job, he like does some small talk and finds out how they're doing and how their lives are going. So he's got that at least. Like I mean, fucking Charlie, he doesn't like find out how the angels are doing. He's just quick and straight to the mission but Carlito, Carlito cares but the mission is this this lady uh, found her husband cheating on her, which I'm guessing is probably the lady who like screamed and dropped the eggs but it isn't just that he's cheating on her he's cheating on her with a white woman, oh no so Carlito's angels have to go and I guess stop the white woman Because, you know, I mean, we can deal with the men in the hood cheating if it's with other, like, Latinas. And maybe some Latinos. And some Latinx. How do you pronounce that? Do you pronounce it Latinx? And isn't everyone in the Latino community, like, pretty much says, fuck you, we hate that term. But... Seriously, no one asked for it, and yet, here it is. But anyways, um, you know, oh, how dare a white woman going around sleeping with the Latino men of this neighborhood. So, they gotta track her down, I guess. Like, the, the mission's a little fuzzy. At least on my end. They track her down and, I don't know, kick her ass, I guess, to be like, hey... Stop sleeping with the Latino men around here. And But it's going to be a dangerous mission because she works at a strip club that's owned by the mob. 
the Italian mob. Because he throws out some, like, Italian slurs that I'm not gonna repeat. Because I can't remember them right now. But, yes, it's an Italian mob-owned strip club where white women... And, you know, if she's sleeping with this one guy, she might be sleeping with a lot of women's boyfriends. And we can't have that. So now there's the question of how are they gonna get to the strip club? Because they stand outside and they all take, like, the Charlie's Angel pose. And this car comes by and these guys are, you know, asking if they want a ride. And they're like, no, we don't want no ride from no scrub. Because a scrub is a guy hanging out in the passenger side of his best friend's ride, hollering at me. I think I got most of the lyrics right there. But, you know, they don't want a ride from a scrub. But how are they going to get there? And in what is probably going to be the best gag of the film. And, I, I mean, I think this is genuinely a funny gag. And not just, like, funny in comparison to the rest of the film. So, uh, one lady pulls out this huge nail file, and she's like, well, let's just steal a car. And, um, I think Tina did that. And Marisol is like, no, we can't do that. So she takes the nail file and just throws it behind her. And this guy just goes and very sneakily takes the nail file and shoves it down his shirt. I, I like that. that. That is like a... I won't say quality, but it's kind of one of the C-level gags of a Zucker, Abraham Zucker film. So I, I'll i give them thumbs up on that one. But they decide, well, we're not going to get a ride from Scrub, and we're not going to steal a car. Let's just catch a cab. But unfortunately, uh, Roxy's man comes by, and there's like ten children. So, okay, yeah, she has a lot of children. And one of them is like a white midget. It's... He's not a kid. He's he's a... Well, I want to say grown-ass adult, but... He's not... Full. You know, no way that I go this without just being, like, really offensive at this point. So, since I'm already going to be offensive, go for the gold, I say. So, he's not a grown-ass man. He's not fully grown... Ah. You know what? I'm offensive without being funny. If at least if I at least landed that joke, it would have been okay. But Roxy convinces him, like her man, like oh, just keep watching the children, and then tonight when I get home, I'm gonna do that thing with the tongue. And I don't know what the thing with the tongue is. I'm gonna assume, you know, she's gonna go down on him. I'm just gonna pretend, you know, the tongue's going inside the asshole. That's where I'm going. That's that's where I picture it. My headcanon is she's got a great asshole tongue action skill. Man, th- this is just shaping up to be like the worst episode of my podcast ever. I blame the movie. The movie's making me dumber. Now, the angels don't have the money to pay for the cab fare. So the cabbie, he's like chasing after them because they jump out and they run. And oh, chickle vision and he's yelling at them and while he's chasing after them some hood some thugs just come and steal his cab oh man just shitty day for him he doesn't get the cab fare and his cab gets stolen so they reach the 
uh, the Angels, they reach the club, but they're like, how are we going to get in? Because it's 20 bucks to get in. But luckily, one of the stripper girls is out in the parking lot because she just arrived there. And they don't even bother to find out if this is the stripper that's been sleeping with all the Latino men to the chagrin of the Latino women. Um, no, they just beat her up and take her clothes and they're going in disguise and that's how they're going to get into the club. Disguised as strippers. Which, you should have at least, you know, at least found out, like, hey, are you fucking these guys? I, You couldn't see me shrug. <laughs> so, I should start, uh, should I do a video version of my podcast? No, no, I should not. So the angels are sneaking around, and they find, not a clue, but makeup! The good, expensive kind of makeup. Oh, boy, this case is really paying off because they're going to steal this makeup. But then the real strippers come, and they're like, Who the fuck are you? What are you doing? And why are you stealing our makeup? And they're topless. So we've got titties! At 19 minutes. Oh, so close to passing the Velvet Owl test. And, oh, if this is your first time listening, the Velvet Owl test is that films should have gratuitous nudity within the first 15 minutes. So you're a little late, Carlitos Angels. Four minutes late, but I can't let you slide. Because if I make an exception for you, I have to make an exception for everyone, and then suddenly films are sneaking in gratuitous nudity with like one minute left and thinking, oh, we passed the Velvet Owl test. No, Velvet Owl test has strict rules gratuitous nudity within the first 15 minutes it's not that hard people but then the owner of the club comes in and he's like hey hey stop fighting you strippers and he sees the angels and like i don't know you i never hired you and they're like oh that other stripper the one that we beat up but you don't know that we beat her up uh she can't make it so the agency was like we'll send you three girls for the price of one and the owner's like can't beat that deal and truly you can't i i mean i guess if you're going for quantity over quality then yeah you know you're getting three strippers for the price of one stripper but you don't know how well these strippers dance you know the three strippers might suck compared to the one stripper but does it really matter to the owner of the club because he's making his money still anyhow right I don't know. I don't know how the financial workings of a strip club is. Um, I know strippers get tips. Um, but do the tips then get split up with the owner? Does he take like a commissary? Is that the right word? Does he take like a commission? Like he gets a certain percentage of the tips? That In which that case then yeah. Three strippers for the price of one. Well... Well, I guess, you know, then you don't have to overwork your strippers if you've got more strippers. I don't know. I don't know if three strippers for the price of one is a good deal. Does it work out to be a good deal for the strip club owner? It sounds like a good deal. And the strip club owner, he's like, I'm all for it. So get on the stage and shake your money makers. So Roxy and Tina are sent to the stage. They gotta dance, but 
you know, they're very awkward and not really dancing. So everyone in the crowd, which is like the lunchtime crowd, worst crowd to perform in front of, I think. I don't know. I'm really not like that familiar with strip club etiquette and the whole strip club culture. I would like to be, but I just, I don't go to strip clubs. I, I should, I should start going to strip clubs and learning how these things work and is the lunchtime crowd worse than the nighttime crowd i don't know these are the important questions anyhow you know everyone's booing them because like uh you're horrible strippers which you know goes back to my point of you know is three for one really worth it if they're awful dancers but turns out it's not because they don't know how to dance it's because the DJ is playing crappy music, and once the DJ plays the song they like, they start doing some bumping and grinding and dancing against each other, and it's uh, bad. I, I, I'm i not going to sugarcoat it. It is awful. It's shitty. It makes Elizabeth Berkley's Dancing and Showgirls look hot and sexy. But the crowd is eating it up and loves it, and they're throwing money at them, even though they don't even show their boobs. Which I don't know how, like, recently I've seen a bunch of films that have a scene in strip clubs where a stripper dances badly and doesn't take off her clothes and the audience loves it. I want some realism. If she's not going to take off her clothes, I at least want some dancing. Some good dancing. Some flash dance dancing. And, you know, Jennifer Beals had a dance double. So get one of those. Find uh, someone who can actually dance and just show the dancing like in the shadows or like from the neck down. It's possible. If she's not going to show her boobs and you're not going to get a body double, at least get a dance double so I can believe that, yes, people love the dance and are going to throw money. So the angels change back into their civilian clothes so that they can do further recon work. And, oh no, Fat Landlord's there with some big criminal thug. Some shit's going down, so the angels quietly, stealthily follow them. And Thug and Fat Landlord meet with the owner of the strip club, because they want a loan. They need to borrow some money, because they've got some scheme where they rigged some numbers. I don't know, the lottery numbers, maybe? I don't know. They got some plan to fleece people out of a lot of money. And the... Strip club owner's like, you know what? I don't care what your plan is. Here's the money. You pay me back in a week with 20% interest or... He doesn't tell them what the or is, but you know it's bad. It's going to be very, very bad. But unfortunately, the angels... uh, Roxy forgot to turn off her beeper. Or not even didn't forget to turn it off. She made the conscious choice not to turn it off. Because she was waiting for a call. And I don't know when this film was made to have beepers. Do people still have beepers? Or pagers? Uh, You know, we got cell phones that you can put on, like, vibrate. And you get your text or your call. And, you know, you don't have to miss it out. You don't need the beeper to then, you know, call back the number. Um, Yeah, so I don't know when this film was made. Is it still in the hood like that? They still use pagers and beepers? I don't want to say 
that they do because that would be kind of racist and classist of me. More classist than racist because I'm just saying like poor people still use beepers. I don't know. But I don't also, I also don't want to say, hey, it doesn't happen because it could very well be. And maybe this film is an accurate description of life in the hood. I highly doubt it, but I'm leaving it open there that it could possibly be that. So, Angels got to run before they're caught. Unfortunately, the Angels are recognized by the stripper that they mugged earlier. And so, now between that and the uh, you know, criminal overlords who know they overheard the plan, everyone's just kind of running after them. And, ooh, Jigglevision. 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 Comedy rule of three. Comedy rule of three. I just disproved it. Maybe, like, if it isn't funny the first time, it isn't funny the second or third time either. But, you know, they run, and then everyone gets into a fight. The worst fight choreography I've seen since Sissy Boy Slap Fight. Or was it Sissy Boy Slap Party? Whatever. Sissy Boy Slaps. Featuring professional wrestler Kenny Omega. Uh, you know, do yourself a favor and not watch it. <laughs> like, seriously. But anyways, now we break the fourth wall and go all meta as one of the stunt doubles, who's a guy dressed as one of the angels, and he's complaining because the gun that he's using is a lighter it's not a real gun because I don't know. I personally, as an actor or a stunt double, if I were working in a film, I would uh, prefer to use a lighter that looks like a gun than a real gun. I'm sure Alec Baldwin would too. Oh yeah, I went there. Um, depending on when you listen to this, you, that joke might just fly over your head. Uh, in case you don't know, Alec Baldwin shot, I was going to say a guy, but it wasn't a guy, it was a girl. And I shouldn't make fun of it, because it actually is just sad and tragic. And it's not fully Alec Baldwin's fault, either. Like, the people who fucking, like, are supposed to check that. So, they had a real bullet inside the gun, and he fired it, bang, killed the cinematographer, I believe it was. But, um, so like I said, I would prefer to have a lighter that looks like a gun. If Alec Baldwin had that, poor uh, cinematographer would be alive. And I feel horrible because I can't think of her name right now. And I could look it up, but I'm not going to because, really, there's like two of you listening. And I doubt either one of you is Alec Baldwin or related to the cinematographer. You might be. You know what? I am going to start assuming Alec Baldwin is listening to my podcast. That will get me through. That will get me through these episodes. But... Where was I? Because now I'm just talking about Alec Baldwin. And I'm sure Alec Baldwin loves having this tragic story tied into Carlito's Angels. Just beautiful that I did that. 
So, but the stunt double, he's mad because he's worked on real films and all that. And what kind of bullshit is this? And then we start getting behind the scenes. Directors trying to calm everyone down. And, you know, they all know it's a crappy film. And, um, making fun of your film being crappy does not excuse your film being crappy. Why don't people get that? You can make fun of a film being crappy... If the film is crappy in a funny way, like it's intentionally well written, so to set up the making fun of crappy films, but your film still has to be good and entertaining, which Mr. Director of Carlitos Angels, you are failing at, but he manages to calm everyone down and end fight scene with the angels coming out on top. Now it's nighttime and the angels are having a slumber party. Aw, yeah. Jiggle Vision Slumber Party. You know what? At this point in the film, I'm taking what I can get. And if that's jiggling in pajamas, I'm taking that. I am taking that. And they talk about stuff, which I don't know. I wasn't paying attention because Tina's lingerie pajamas. And jiggling. She's the most jiggly of the angels. And coincidentally, my favorite. You know, I don't know why the most jiggly one is my favorite. It just happened to work out that way. And Roxy's man is all upset. Because remember, she was supposed to do the thing with the tongue. In exchange for him watching the kids. But she's not giving him any tongue. And he's still stuck watching the kids. And the angels are... I don't know, planning a heist or something. You know, they don't want like their people to get ripped off in this numbers scheme because the numbers is like the only hope that people in the ghetto have. No, that's what she said, not me. I don't know what the fuck the numbers thing is. I'm guessing it's like the lottery or something, but I don't know. Just not sponsored by the state. It's sponsored by this scummy little guy. And the fat landlord. And, but uh, the angels are going to figure a way to get the money for themselves and go on a shopping spree. Best I can figure. I don't know. Just jiggly pajamas. And I would rewind to re-listen and figure out what the plan was. Who am I kidding? If I watch that scene again, I'm still just going to focus on the jiggly parts. Which I think is like the aim of this film. is like They think if they distract you enough with enough jiggling that you won't realize how crappy of a film this is. And sorry, you failed on that point. So either the film needs to be better or there needs to be more jiggling. Take your choice. But I am not falling for your tricks. Now, the angels sneak out of the apartment through the fire escape. Because just in case the fat landlord sees them and recognizes that he saw them at the strip club. And puts two and two together and gets 22. And realizes that, you know, he should kill them or something. But unfortunately, as much as they're sneaking out, they get confronted by some lady who's husband or boyfriend slept with Tina so she wants to start some shit and she brought her crew over from 
her neighborhood. But, you know, Tina's like, yeah, you think you got your numbers game, but this is my hood. And she starts making, like, some bird calls or something, which causes all these people to come out of their apartments and be like, oh, shit's going down. We're going to throw down. As they do in the hood. But then luckily this guy who... I'm not really sure who he is, but apparently it is the true leader of this neighborhood. And I think, like, he sells drugs or something. So he can't have, like, too much heat going on because, you know, he doesn't want the attention from the cops. Because they'll see, hey, isn't that the drug dealer? And arrest him or something. I don't know. I'm just kind of filling in, like, the backstory on my own at this point. But he calms everyone down and the fight doesn't happen. Boo-hoo. Now, the manager of the bodega wants to talk to the girls. And it looks like he's wearing a fake mustache. I can't quite tell. Like, why? Why? Like, did he play another role in this film and they just need to give him a fake mustache to differentiate him? I, I can't quite figure out. Or, like, the director really wanted the character to have a mustache and the guy just couldn't grow a mustache. Or maybe, like... You know, it was like the reverse Henry Cavill situation. And he just couldn't grow the mustache in time. I don't know. But, you know, he's telling the girls, like, you gotta stop with this angel's crap and running around and all this silliness. But they tell him, like, oh no, we've discovered some shit's going down. They're gonna rig the numbers. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't have the numbers being rigged. We gotta get down to the bottom of this. And the angels are like, well, we know that Fat Landlord's involved. And so Paco tells them, like, let's go uh, go after Fat Landlord. That's your in. You're going to find out shit and stuff. I don't know. You know, it's going to be your in to figure out the crimes. I'm just rambling at this point because... Ah, uh, more chickle. Again, like I'm telling you... Do, the director of film is trying to throw me off guard here and throwing lots of jiggling at me so that I'll be kinder to his film. Well, fuck you. It's not going to work. I'm on to your schemes. But so they find the fat landlord and they tell him like, oh, we know what you did. And he's like, uh-oh. Well, I'm going to run. And fat boy runs. And he runs quite fast for a fat boy. But then suddenly this guy who's dressed like Robin, old school Robin, you know, like the Burt Ward from the 60s TV show Robin, he's like, I'll, I'll get after him. And we got a whimsical chase with whimsical music. And he finally, Robin finally catches up to the fat landlord. But uh, he's a scrawny little thing, so fat landlord just beats the shit out of him. But it provided the distraction. And the angels come up behind him and knock him out with a shoe. With a shoe. Watch out for the shoe. So the angels have the fat, la the fat, yeah, fatty, fat, fat, McFat, fat landlord tied up. And they want him to squeal like a pig because he's fat. No, they want him to reveal the whole plan. But he won't, even though they're torturing him over and over and have the little like white midget who's one of Roxy's kids just punch him over and over personally I think uh, some more jiggly action 
would help get him to talk. That's how you could get me to talk. Like, you know, the torture. Well, okay, the torture, I have very low pain threshold. So probably first punch, I'm spilling my guts. But some jiggly action, and I will spill my guts twice. But they found, you know, the way to Fat Boy's heart is through his stomach. So they offer him some pizza if he'll give all the information, which he agrees to. And soda. He's got to be pizza and soda. You know, to wash down the pizza. So he agrees, and he lays down the plan that the thug has. Uh, he explains how the whole numbers game works, which is so fucking complicated. Like, Ocean's Eleven levels of complications. I couldn't even begin to explain to you how this whole thing goes. I don't even... I still don't even understand what it is. Like, I guess you guess on numbers and whoever gets the right numbers, but there's, like, this whole, like, system of... I don't know who chooses the numbers, but then it gets written down and is passed through, like, 50 people and all sorts of, like... Just... It's... It's hurting my head to even contemplate what it is, but so they, but they know now how this thug guy is planning to rig the numbers game so he can make all the money. I I don't know. I guess well, if he made the bet and he gives the numbers, he'll win, right? How much money do you make from this numbers game thing? Anyhow, that it's worth going through all this trouble of, like, fixing it and rigging it so that you have enough money to pay back a strip club owner. I don't know. It's rough. So now that the angels know the plan, they can set their trap and they catch the thug before he can steal the numbers. And they start a fight. And luckily, Marisol has a gun and threatens to shoot the thug who decides, yo, this just ain't worth it. I'm gone. I don't want to get shot. I hope he has a plan to deal with like the strip club owner who's gonna like kick his ass for not being able to pay back the money plus 20%. Um, which really, how much... I still want to know how much money there is for this numbers game. Cause it had to have been a lot to be worth going through all this trouble and risk getting your ass kicked by the strip club owner. So, but now that everything's fine, they're at this big block party, and everything's good. It's a happy ending, except, oh, it's that woman that's mad at Tina for sleeping with her man, and she's got her crew, and they decide, oh, shit, this shit's on. We're gonna fight. And they decide there's only one way that they can battle. Mud wrestling. Which should be fucking fantastic. And somehow they managed to even fuck up the mud wrestling scene. And make it, like, not hot at all. And somehow, lack of jiggling during the mud wrestling. It's mud wrestling. How do you screw up a mud wrestling scene? But they manage. And... I think the Angels win? They don't really tell us who wins. But, I mean, 
in reality, when it comes to mud wrestling, we all win. And then we get like 10 minutes of outtakes, which usually outtakes are like, you know, often not as funny as the stuff in the film. And this film was like painful to sit through in the be- to begin with. So these outtakes are just ugh. I, I don't know. It was, I mean, this movie is like a hour and 10 minutes long. So the 10 minutes of outtakes, it's clearly just padding at this point. Like, oh, we just have nothing. I wouldn't have complained if there was 10 minutes of just jiggling. If just 10 minutes of the angels running, I would have been happy. I would have been like, okay, this movie sucked, but it was worth it for 10 minutes of jiggly. No. No, we get outtakes that no one would want. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I hope the next movie I pick... Uh, just... I don't know. Anything. <laughs> any movie I pick has got to be better than this, right? Oh, boy. So, if you are jiggly or want to get jiggly with it man how did I go this whole episode without making that joke but yeah velvet Al at hotmail.com or leave a comment in the comments thread if you're on YouTube or I don't know knock on my door and say hi all of these are acceptable ways of contacting me let me know what you think of the podcast is there a movie you want me to watch so you don't have to just or if you just want to say hi yeah i love you guys